This is Conversations with Leaders. My name is Mark Schwartz. I'm an enterprise strategist with Amazon Web Services. And I'm talking with Robin Teslich, who is the Deputy Chief Information Officer for Cloud Transformation at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratories. So Robin, could you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role and the laboratory? Yeah, so Lawrence Livermore is a Department of Energy Research Laboratory. Um, we have about 8,000 employees and our, our primary mission is um, science in the name of, of national security and safety. Um, so our, our science missions focus on um, bioscience, weapons science, um, counterterrorism, uh, a broad spectrum of, of general science. And so we have a lot of physicists and engineers um, and my role is uh, for the last two years to help lead the transition for Lawrence Livermore to the cloud um, and get us migrated, instantiate a cloud center of excellence um, and help with that cultural change and transition. What is this transformation? What are you trying to do? What's driving it? Well, um, we've actually been dabbling in cloud for quite some time. Our CTO, Greg Herwig, um, has been pushing in this direction for a while, trying to lay the foundation work. Um, and in that process over the last five years, we've really seen some things that um, have been positive uh, outcomes of, of cloud technology that we thought we could take advantage of. And so specifically, we're looking for um, improved agility, um, access to innovation and, and tools that will help us innovate, um, and improved operations. Um, it, ironically, cost was not the, the primary focus for our motivation. Um, so we're really looking to just improve our operations and be able to be more responsive to the mission and the business. Um, and then another part of that is really enabling um, the science parts of our laboratory to give them access to all of that technology. Mm -hmm. So we're not only doing the transformation for our business side, we're wanting to deliver and broker that capability to our scientists and engineers to take advantage of it for their innovation and discovery. Got it. As, as you were talking, I was thinking, this, this must be pretty hard to do in a government setting. Are, are there like special challenges around yeah. government? I, I know the answer already, but, yeah. but please uh, tell our viewers. Two that come to mind are um, the, the compliance and security aspect. Um, you know, we have, uh, organizations that we report to. We're a Department of Energy contractor and they oversee uh, how we operate and, and we are stewards of the public trust when it comes to security. Our missions are somewhat sensitive. And so there's a lot of hurdles for us to get authority to operate in that cloud environment. Um, and because Lawrence Livermore has been you know, somewhat of an early adopter in the cloud space um, within the, dash, the Department of Energy, you know, realm. Um, we've had to kind of figure it out along the way and come up with our own processes for how we get that compliance approval in a, in a risk management framework. Um, the other I would say is around the finances. So, you know, the whole notion of cloud and elasticity and the ability to scale up and scale down and pay as you go yeah. does not work with the government form of funding and procurement, right? We can't just go use something and then pay for it later. We have to have all that procurement process in place. So it took quite a bit of effort to get, um, not an optimal process, but one that would work um, on the financial side. So security, financial, procurement, things like that, and 
as you solve these things, you're going to be sort of a model for the rest of the Department of Energy, right? You're doing it first, and, and hopefully everybody's going to learn from you. In some ways, yeah. We try to learn from each other, um, specifically in the compliance space, um, you know, the use of uh, FedRAMP and GovCloud, we had to go through and define a model for proving that we were taking the right approach to, you know, security and due diligence. And so having to go through that shared responsibility model where the cloud provider has a certain set of responsibilities and we have to investigate those and make sure they are, you know, doing their part, not, not a complete review, but at least understand if there are any um, gaps there. And then laying on our customer responsibility on top of that and being able to document how we respond to that um, and how we're making sure those things come together to provide a secure environment required a whole bunch of you know documentation and an analysis and then you know just getting uh, partnership with our um, our oversight office to help us work all, through all those hurdles um, mm -hmm. was a was a big challenge and it still is for our security organization uh, because Amazon and other cloud providers change very, very quickly, <laughs> right? And yes. every time there's a new component that comes out, we have to go through a mini process yeah. of assessing. Um, so it's it's not very scalable, but at least it's working for now. And I think we're going to continue to try to improve upon that. Yeah, it sounds like the ideal would be if they could quickly do that assessment, right? If they could learn to be a little bit faster and more nimble with the security assessments as things change. Yeah. And, and we've been working with, you know, our partners to try to figure out how to make that more automated and less cumbersome so that you know, we can get things to the users quickly, right? The people who want to take advantage of that technology. So um, do you think other government leaders around, uh, around the government should be embracing transformation? Do you think this is practical government-wide? And, and what would you suggest for them? Absolutely. Um, I think government in general has you know, a, a certain amount of rigidness to it and, and restriction on, you know, how you can staff up and ramp up to complete tasks and respond to new need. And I think adopting cloud technology helps mitigate that to a certain extent, um, because you no longer have to, you know, go through that long procurement process to buy a bunch of hardware and then bring it in and then you know get it racked and stacked it's it, you eliminate a lot of that and you make um, technology available in increments so if there's a little bit of money there can be a little bit of use if there's a lot of money and a lot of need you can make make that work too uh, i think it's uh, absolutely doable and it's we've seen the benefit um, i think that's a big thing for us is just over the last couple of years, for example, in, in this whole COVID you know, event, we had to very quickly pivot and have an entire workforce who had been on site for many, many years now do everything off site. Um, several of our responses to, to that situation um, were enabled completely by the fact that we had already moved a certain amount into the cloud. We were able to get people workstations virtually. We were able to move data to the cloud and let people make decisions on those um, on, on the, the information that was out there. Um, and it continues. Uh, we've, we've done recently a, a COVID vaccination card um, scanning and recognition uh, process because everyone had to upload to comply with the federal mandate their vaccine cards. And you know we had to go through them very quickly. So we were able to, to within, I think, two weeks 
you know, put a process together and be able to scan and validate cards, which would have taken many humans or a lot longer. Um, so there's so much to be gained um, by having access to the tools that are out there that others are developing for you mm -hmm. that allow you to be more responsive, um, even in a controlled and restricted environment. I see. So even in the government, you got something done from concept to completion in just two weeks. Yeah. All right. Pretty incredible, huh? <laughs> that is nice. Yeah. Some of the things you mentioned, um, the benefits you mentioned around procurement and, and so on, that does depend on bringing along the contracting people with you, right? It's not, it's not just a technology transformation. Yeah. It's really kind of influencing that procurement process and, and these other things to kind of get them in sync to actually take advantage of the transformation. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's procurement, it's finance, it's leadership. Um, you know, everybody has a different impression of what cloud is. Um, when you when you say we're going to the cloud, most people think you're renting servers mm -hmm. um, and they don't understand what's the big deal and why would we do that. Um, and for many, many years in our environment, we told people don't use the cloud. You know, cloud is bad. When you say we, you mean who, our cybersecurity, cybersecurity, okay. uh, which, you know, it was an IT decision and a, and a cybersecurity risk decision because there are many clouds out there that are not safe. and we weren't able to go through those processes to ensure they were FedRamped or you know government compliant. Um, so we told our, our user base, stay away. Mm -hmm. And then now we're saying, we're all going. And, mm -hmm. and it's a bit of a shock. You so it's taken a, a bit yeah. of, of you know, time to, to show people what it is, what we've done to ensure that it is safe, mm -hmm. you know, and probably safer than we can do on our own. Um, and that it's the right thing to do. And, mm -hmm. you know, teaching people in contracts what it means to, to rent a desktop for a week um, is, a, is a, a mind blower for them. And, you know, it's, we're still working that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, there are penalties in the government for spending more than right. you've been allocated to spend and so on. So it can make people really nervous not to know exactly how exactly. much they're going to be spending. And and we always get asked the question, you know, well, can't you just shut it off? If you hit the limit, just shut it off and, and make it go away, which you can <laughs> unless there's somebody's test results or scientific results there. And now yeah. the data is there. Do you want us to really get rid of that? And so it's complex. But, right. You know, we're working through it. So did you like start with a, a big plan and then execute your transformation according to that plan? Or did you have to keep shifting gear? Did you learn things on the way and um, and make adjustments? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> no plan survives reality, right? <laughs> yeah. So how did you keep that agility? How did you make it possible to change course when you needed to? Part of it was starting slow. Um, and, and figuring out those big roadblocks in advance. And that's what our, our CTO and a small team of folks had been doing for multiple years, trying to test out you know, different ways to control accounts, to control spend, to interface with our procurement systems and our billing systems and um, make sure we've got the right security guardrails in place. Um, but then when we decided to go, um, you know, we, first of all, we engaged um, the professional services for support and help. Um, but our plan initially was to go forward and migrate in a in a more refactoring approach mm -hmm. and taking all of our applications and, and getting there natively. 
Um, very quickly, we found that that was going to take us way longer. Um, and being in that in-between state of some on-prem and some in the cloud was going to be very painful. Um, so we shifted gears quickly on that one and decided to go lift and shift, followed by, you know, um, more optimization and refactoring. Um, so we've done that in three phases with our development environments, our QA environments, and then our production environments. Um, but really, I think it, it requires you to, you know, have kind of a plan and a vision and then um, really be willing to listen to people and take action and, you know, based on their concerns and try to come up with solutions that work best as a team um, and still get you, you know, that transformational shift you're looking for. Because um, we weren't going for just an incremental change, right? We wanted different. Yeah. We, we didn't want to just take our data center and move all of our processes and everything into the cloud. That's not going to get us the things that we laid out as objectives, our innovation and agility and resiliency. So it, it's definitely a day-to-day -day exercise in overseeing where we're going, how it's working, and adjusting. Yeah. And so innovation, agility, and resilience. And part of the, the trick, I would think, is just keeping people focused on those things. You know, it's not about the mechanics of moving servers. It's about accomplishing those outcomes. Yeah. And then you can make adjustments as you need to because you're always trying to head towards those outcomes, whatever it mm -hmm. takes. And so you have to be present. And, and that's, that's hard um, to be present in all of the activities that are going on and um, being able to re-inject that vision um, so there's a lot of communication that has to happen on a regular basis. And then, you know, I always say you, you try to lay out that vision and then you, you oversee the work that's going on and you try to bring people back towards that vision when you see them start to drift. And, and over a pretty short period of time, they start to understand it and internalize it so that then they can carry it forward without you. And, and that's really the only way that you get change to happen on a massive scale, right? You can't be everywhere at all times trying to keep things in line. So it has to be internalized in the organization. Yeah, I think a lot of the things you're saying point to a need for cultural change or just sort of changing people's mental models and, and how they think about problems. Is that, is that Absolutely. Kind of what you found? Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's, it's down into the nitty gritty details. You know, how do we do patch management today? How do we want to do patch management in the future? Yeah. You know, we want things automated. We don't want to spend our staff's time overseeing those kinds of activities. Mm -hmm. We want to free them up so that they can focus on delivering value. Like when new business requirements come, we can respond in two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's a game changer for us. Yeah, for any government agency mm -hmm. it would be or mm -hmm. government laboratory. So how um, how do you accomplish that uh culture, I, I would think in in your context, there's probably a, a culture that's been built up over many years and very uh, well-defined patterns of thought. And now all of a sudden you have to make people think differently. How do you, how do, you do that? A lot of communication. And, you know, sometimes you can paint a picture of what you want the future to be. And everybody will nod, but still everyone walks away with a different perception of what that really what that picture really is. And so there are times when we have long conversations that feel like they're the same conversation over and over. Mm -hmm. um, but really, as we're having those conversations, everyone's growing and understanding, mm -hmm. you know, deeper what that vision looks like. So it, it's 
it's that a lot of communication a lot of communication and then i think having leadership support is fundamental you can't be successful in transforming an organization if you don't have people standing behind you mm -hmm. to say yes this is really where we're going and then finding champions um, and as as the vision catches and the transformation starts to take hold and you have successes um, which we've seen right then people get excited and you get more champions out there and slowly that that vision gets spread across and the new way of doing things gets you know implanted in the organization and and those who haven't gotten on board become the minority and you know it just it takes a little bit um, but it's it's a, a multitude of different things uh, yeah. that, that push that change into an organization. Yeah, uh, a little bit of time constantly reinforcing the message, right? Yes. And, and constantly reinforcing where you're going and what it looks like, what that state of success is going to look like, right? What, yes. what you're shooting for. Yes. So what was it that caused you to go to the cloud in the first place? What started this transformation? Was there was there some kind of urgency for you? I think it was a slow progression. We, we actually started leveraging some cloud services a number of years ago, um, started off with our email, um, and then some of our um, customer support tools as SaaS offerings. Um, but as I mentioned, the, the CTO and, and a small team of folks had been investigating um, you know, cloud in general um, for a number of years. And, and I think the real trigger and the tipping point was when we started to see this huge value um, that you know, we had an application that we initially had outsourced and you know, was costing us a certain amount of money and it was very rigid and difficult to change. And then we moved it in-house, which meant now we have a whole bunch of hardware and software to maintain and people to maintain it, which was even more dollars. Um, and then we moved that application to the cloud and successively over time as it got optimized and you know, refactored and, and natively produced in the cloud, it was providing better service, better scalability, better user um, you know, context and experience and a reduced price. So that was the first like aha moment for me. Um, second one was actually coming to reInvent and, and hearing all of the, the different companies and their successes. And it really became obvious to me that, you know, there's no value in doing some of these lower level IT activities anymore, that to be competitive and responsive and, um, you know, be able to meet the needs of the future we're going to have to, you know, I say stand on the shoulders of giants, right? When you move into the cloud, you're no longer doing things by yourself. You're leveraging all of the tools and innovations that are happening within a very large organization and being, you know, tested and honed and refined by businesses all over the world. And, and you just can't compete with that. So you have to adopt it. Um, and, and that created a huge sense of urgency in me. It's like, we, we not only need to go there, but we're late. Um, so let's, let's get moving. Well, thank you so much, Robin, for being here with us. This has been really interesting. I've learned some things and I know everybody else who's watching this will, will learn a lot from it as well. Well, thank you. Pleasure being here.